The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Welcome back to another episode of the Chris and Joe Show here on Big Blue Views Audio Content Network. Today we are continuing our preview series by breaking down the New York Giants opponents' off-seasons from the past few months, filling you in on things you might have missed, acquisitions that they made, trades that they made, their draft picks. You might have not been paying attention to some of these teams that the Giants are going to be facing in 2021, the things that they did. That's the goal of these episodes, is so that you're familiar with these rosters and who the Giants are playing. We already did the full NFC East, so if you missed those episodes, go listen in as we talked about Washington, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. We also did a Broncos show, but today is the next out-of-conference opponent for the Giants, which is the Atlanta Falcons an early opponent for the G-Men. So, Chris, this uh, this Falcons team, we were just discussing here as we were getting ready to start recording and preparing our notes. This Falcons team is pretty underwhelming. This is not an exciting team. This is not a team that you can really say, like, wow, they're going to take a next step next year, like we were saying with the Broncos potentially. This is a team where they lost a lot, and we're going to talk about some of those losses the first major improvement improvement that we have to note, and I, I guess you could consider it an, an improvement when you change coaches when your other coach, Dan Quinn, was struggling to get the job done. Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator, comes over from Tennessee, a guy known for loving to run the football, a huge change in offensive philosophy. Here comes Arthur Smith. I think that that's going to pay some pretty good dividends as this roster has been aging for a while now it's just a matter of, of shifting direction and if the offensive line can block for newly added running back Mike Davis. Yeah, that I think is going to be something to watch with this team. Yeah. Also, it will be interesting to see what impact this has on Matt Ryan because, you know, it, it, this is the NFL. It's all about the quarterbacks. And Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans last two years. And over that time, we saw Ryan Tannehill blossom from really an afterthought and a bust in Miami into one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, the transformation he has gone through since getting away from Adam Gase and 
being under Arthur Smith is really pretty amazing. And it's something that hasn't gotten enough, uh, uh, enough, I would say attention at the national level. And it would be interesting to see how much of that ground and pound offense, the Derrick Henry offense follows Arthur Smith to Atlanta, or if he tries to recreate what he had with Ryan Tannehill and AJ Brown and also Corey Davis. And you know, that, that I think will kind of lead into some of our discussions with the rest of this team in this offense, but the Falcons are definitely going to look different than what we got used to the last few years. Now, whether that's a good different or a, or a worse different or just a lateral different, you know, that remains to be seen. And a lot of people said during the coaching cycle that Arthur Smith was going to be one of the top three candidates that was available. So for them to go and get a really good head coaching candidate, not really a surprise because the Falcons have been a desirable franchise to be a part of because of the direction that they've been under their ownership with Arthur Blank. They've just always had really good resources. They've always been well supported by Blank. And you know now here we come, Arthur Smith. I, I think that this is going to pay them dividends. But the question is, do they have what it takes to actually be a competitive roster in 2021 with some really, really good teams in the NFC South? And uh, we'll wait until the end to touch on that. Getting into some of the free agent additions they have, though. Bringing in Mike Davis was one that we already hit on who had a pretty good year stepping in and taking over that primary role in Carolina when Christian McCaffrey was out. He started to flash some things. He was pretty productive. This is a big bowling ball type running back who is not afraid to take some contact, not afraid to take some hits, and he might be able to fill that role, not necessarily as Derrick Henry, but just as the power back that Arthur Smith is going to be seeking for a very heavy run-centric, power run-centric based offense. They also did bring in Deron Harmon, who is a veteran defensive back. And then the last one, which we were debating how we really think Arthur Smith might deploy this guy, but they also added in Cordell Patterson, who has been used in so many different ways by so many different teams since being a first-round pick. We know he's a talented kick returner. He's played receiver, and he's played running back most recently with the Chicago Bears. So that's just an added weapon to the fold. And this team actually is doing pretty well in the weapon category. Yeah, and that's kind of a through line for forever, really, with the Atlanta Falcons. They always seem to have weapons at their disposal. You know, whether it is the, and we'll get to this since departed Julio Jones, but then uh, Calvin Ridley, even going back to when they had Mike Vick under center or running around the backfield doing whatever he did you know there were always a team you had to keep an eye on offensively that they always had guys whether it was a running back uh wide receivers quarterback tight ends what what have you there were always guys who could hurt you on the offensive side of the ball guys who could generate big plays like that yeah, they've always done a really, really good job under Dan Quinn of having some talented guys, and it seems like the whole time Matt Ryan has been the starting quarterback, he's always had viable options, and understandably, they lost Julio Jones. That's going to be a massive hit, but they still have decent quality players that can pick up some chunk yardage with guys like Cordell Patterson, who they can get creative with. They can use him not just as a, tr- a traditional receiver or a traditional running back. He's a guy that has shown the ability to play multiple things. But their draft, actually, they, they did a pretty good dra- job in the draft. That's where 
I think the optimism is going to lie for Falcons fans is that the direction in a couple years, I think, can be pretty good with this team. Depending on how long they want to stay married to Matt Ryan, if they want to keep him around, or if they want to maybe try and start over, they do have a pretty good young core from the last previous draft, and then this current cycle of selecting Kyle Pitts fourth overall is only going to be a huge impact for them coming in a, a tight end tandem that is him and Hayden Hurst. You also have Richie Grant, who you were telling me before was one of your favorite defensive backs in this class. And then Jalen Mayfield's a pretty good offensive lineman who's probably going to plug in at guard somewhere if they can even fit him because they've already got like a, a, a okay veteran-laden starting group for this offensive line. Jalen Mayfield, I think, is going to be an interesting guy an interesting case to watch and i'm gonna go from you know third round up because i think that's where the the real meat of their draft is although they do have uh your guy along the defensive line former former uh notre dame player whose name i'm going to leave to you to pronounce. adi ogandeji <laughs> there we go <laughs> adi ogandeji yeah the, he was a guy we we both talked about before a draft he's got all of those physical tools it never quite seemed to put it all together in college, but if he's if this new direction for the franchise, you know they they have needed a defense for a long time, so there's going to be opportunities for him if he can put it all together to put those tools to use. He could make an impact, but just to go back to the third round, uh, Jalen Mayfield, I liked him in the draft. He was inconsistent, but he's just a Big offensive lineman, uh, I think 6'5", 325, 330, somewhere around there. And I was, it was remarkable how smooth a mover he could be. He was a little inconsistent, but for a big guy, he had a really good bend. Like He was a natural knee bender. He didn't bend at the waist. He didn't have heavy feet. He could uh, kick slide pretty well at that tackle position. So he could have some, some flexibility in how he develops. They could slide him inside to guard. They could try him at you know, right tackle. I, d- I don't think he's going to be replacing Jake Matthews at left tackle anytime soon. But Caleb McGarry, yeah, maybe that could be a, uh, a battle worth watching. Yeah, they, they have a, a pretty good young core on that offensive line. And I think, again, there's some optimism there. This is a team where once they develop a little bit in a year or two, they could get back on track. I just, again, the thing here that is going to be really sticky for them is being competitive in 2021. We're going to get to some of the reasons why they're going to struggle in 2021. Before we do so, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. So as you can imagine for the Atlanta Falcons, a big concern is the major losses that they took over this offseason, just separate from the Julio trade. They lost their starting center, Alex Mack, who is now on the 49ers. Tyler Hennessy is expected to step in and replace him, a guy who we talked up a lot from the 2020 draft cycle. And then they also lost veteran defensive back Ricardo Allen, as well as veteran DB Keanu Neal to the Dallas Cowboys. That is all topped off with the trade that they made with the Tennessee Titans, barely getting anything back, sending star receiver Julio Jones to play for Arthur Smith's former team, the Titans. So this, here we are 
Uh, this is a lot of losses to take for this team. And that was something that was hamstringing them previously is some of the money that they were tied up to to some of these various players, Julio in particular. Now they've cleared up some space. There's not really much you can do about that now, though. They're going to have to wait until the following free agency cycle, the following draft cycle, to take advantage of the available money that clearing Julio's contract does for them. But I, I think all of those four moves alone, and they did lose other players, those four moves alone are a massive hit for this roster, specifically losing Julio Jones, who has been, when healthy, a top three receiver in the NFL. Yeah, and pretty much since he entered the NFL. But I think it's that when healthy part that is worth keeping in mind with this trade because you know, on the face of it, having a receiving duo of Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and then having Kyle Pitts to just throw in wherever. Now, obviously, our the folks who listen to, listen to this podcast during the draft knows that Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver just masquerading as a tight end. But having three receiving options who can do what Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts could do when healthy is honestly a frightening prospect for a defense. But Julio Jones hasn't exactly been healthy. He only played nine games last year. Uh, you know, only had three touchdowns, which, you know, scoring touchdowns isn't exactly his, the strength of his game. You know, he was okay on catch percentage. He was, you know, about career average for yards per reception. But, you know, at 31, you kind of have to start to wonder. And I think this did weigh on the Falcons. You know, it, were the injuries he suffered in 2020 the beginning of his decline? And you combine that with his salary cap. I personally would have done everything I could to try to keep Julio, but I can see the the logic in moving on from him, especially when you have a guy like Kyle Pitts waiting there and you're going to want to get him the ball as often and in as many ways as you can. So, you know, maybe you can't give you just don't have room in your offense for a receiver like Julio Jones to get 150, 200 targets a season. And the thing that was killing him a lot was the fact that not only were they paying Julio a ton of money, they were paying Matt Ryan a ton of money. They were paying Grady Jarrett a ton of money. Ricardo Allen's contract wasn't cheap either. So all this money was being spread around to some top level players, but like just in general, you, you can't build a roster that way. There's some teams that have found ways to work around that. Like the Rams, for some reason, always have ways to find money to fit in their salary cap, but the Falcons did a very, very poor job of it. And that was what really hindered their ability to progress and step forward. This was a team that was really only built for that small window when they were highly competitive when they made that Super Bowl run around those few years. After that, the, the regression was clear. As soon as there were injuries, they had no depth. They didn't really have a young core. They were always picking late in the draft. They couldn't really go out and sign any big free agents to fill any holes. So now, you know, I think hopefully that that, that getting rid of Julio is going to open the ability to start doing that soon. As of right now, however, you know Julio in the mix is a loss of an elite, talented player who has continually required double teams and also extra coverage from opposing defenses, which has opened things up for a younger guy like Calvin Ridley to have a good start to his career. So now what do we see? Do we see more attention to Calvin Ridley? Do we see more of just a 
a base defense and that's going to make things harder for Ridley and Kyle Pitts to get open. I, I think that there's a, there's a lot of question marks on how effective this offense is. And also too, like how good is Matt Ryan without Julio? We haven't really gotten the chance to see much of that in Matt Ryan's career. I think there's just a ton of question marks with this Falcons team and what they're capable of without him. Yeah. Yeah. Julio Jones was drafted in 2011. Matt Ryan was drafted in 2008. So that was what two seasons we saw of Matt Ryan, uh, three seasons, sorry, math is hard that, you know, that was three seasons a decade ago since we have really gotten to see Matt Ryan without Julio Jones for an extended period of time. And that is going to be weird. Now, the Falcons have a lot of receivers on their roster right now. I, I went through and counted. They have 11 receivers on their roster. And I think that could be 13, depending on how they use Kyle Pitts and Cordell Patterson. So there will be, they do have a lot of options to try to find somebody to, you know, replace Julio Jones. I don't think you can really replace Julio Jones. He is kind of a singular talent, but hopefully they, or at least hopefully for them, they can find somebody who can, if not be that number one receiver, then be a number three receiver and hope Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts can really shoulder the burden and pick up the slack that is there after trading away Julio Jones. Yeah, that's going to be really contingent on their success is who can take up the slack, who can really fill in for not having Julio around to be that primary go-to guy for Matt Ryan. Now, if we were to pitch best case, worst case, Chris, I, I think best case for this team is that they finish third in the division and some of the other teams in the NFC South, one of the other teams struggles. Worst case, they're going to finish in the bottom of the division. They're probably going to have a top 10 pick if we're just being realistic based on the regressions, based on some of the holes that they currently have on this roster, uh, inconsistencies on the defensive side of the ball. There's some major, major holes that they have defensively. But the thing that really convinces me that they're going to struggle is that if you just look at their competition in the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even if Tom Brady, which we've been saying forever now, if he steps, takes a step back and he's not as good as he was last year, which he wasn't perfect last year, if he just slightly takes a step back, that roster is still good enough to be the best in the conference. The Saints, even though they don't have Drew Brees anymore, even if the quarterback position is an absolute mess for the uh, for the Saints, they're going to still be a very, very competitive team because of what they have defensively and what they have on offense. This is a, still a well-rounded roster. And then the Panthers are an up-and-coming team based on the moves that they've made by bringing in a completely new coaching staff. Sam Darnold might be a step-up at quarterback. That roster is taking a lot of steps forward, and there's a reason why People believe that they could be a, a surprise team next year because of the, the the upgrades that they've taken and if they've made over the last few drafts and also over free agency by going and getting a guy like Sam Darnold. So I just don't really see the Falcons being competitive enough against any of the teams in their division for them to finish better than last. And if you finish last in your division, you're likely going to finish within the top 10. There's a pretty good chance unless... Everybody in your division beats up on each other and has um, 
you know, has has an eight and eight record or a nine and eight record for you know for the seventeen uh, game season. So it's going to be really really tough for this this Falcons team to compete with with the other big dogs in their conference. Yeah, that that I'm not sure how we could come down anywhere else. And you know, I, I apologize to any Falcons fans that are you know listening, but yeah, they are a team which they're kind of treading water, and it feels like they're getting ready to be a team in transition. Yeah, you know, if they wind up with that top ten pick, then they have to think very seriously about the quarterback position and moving on from Matt Ryan, just because he'll be 36. He carries a big salary cap number. It, yeah, that that's just the reality and the economics of the NFL, but pretty much every other team in that division was either already better as with the Buccaneers and the saints or trending in the right direction, which potentially the saints and Definitely the Carolina Panthers. You know, Matt Rule has a very strong reputation as a program builder. Just ask the folks at Temple and Baylor. And there's a reason why the New York Jets wanted him so badly. And also, they've got Joe Brady there. It will be interesting as hell to see what Joe Brady does with Sam Darnold, what Sam Darnold does when he gets away from Matt Gase, or sorry, Adam Gase, you know, whether or not he has the uh, Ryan Tannehill career trajectory. And that really could just leave the Falcons treading water and by virtue of a bunch of lateral moves, not making up enough ground to keep pace with the rest of the division. Yeah, a lot, a lot of questions for this Falcons team. And that is going to be, uh, I think, a, a hindrance for this roster. If you're asking yourself too many questions, there's not really a lot of certainty for success in 2021. So this might be a game for the Giants where, they're going to get an early victory on on their uh, you know on their record. They're going to be able to build some early momentum. That Broncos team was one that we were discussing as being a little bit on the scarier side because of how good they are defensively. But Chris, I, I think it's pretty safe to say that this this is probably going to be one of the easier games on the Giants' schedule. Yeah, I'll say it's definitely winnable. Yeah, you know, anytime you have a tight end to worry about like Kyle Pitts and you are the Giants. Yeah, I'm sorry, the last uh, 15 years or so has taught me to not count my chickens before they're hatched. But this game should be one the Giants (laughs) can be very competitive in and have a good shot at winning. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair to say. Just looking at the overall teams that they play, the Giants match up pretty well against this Falcons roster. Folks, that's going to be it for us on today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, Leave us a five-star review if you enjoy listening in. And then head on over to BigBlueView.com for more fantastic Giants news and analysis. Talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week.